Colossians 3, verse 18 to 21. Wives, submit to your husbands as in as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives as do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. I don't know how many of you have heard of the website called Pinterest, but it's an ideas website where you can get all sorts of weird and wonderful craft ideas. In fact, ideas about how to do pretty much anything. There are so many things I look through and think, oh, I'm going to make that when I get some spare time. I sometimes even go as far as getting the stuff to make something, but just never get around to doing it. But there are lots of people out there who do attempt these wonderful projects and lots of them who post the results online for us all to laugh, admire, to admire. Let's have a look at some of those now. So that's how it's meant to be and that's how it turned out. And the next one? Top ones are good though. I think this... Oh, no, it's not the last one. That would be my attempt. (laughs) And I think that's the last one. That's my favourite because it's so, so badly wrong and that would scare a child as a birthday cake. You see, reality does not always match up to expectations. We expect our attempts to look as good as the originals and they don't. And this Mother's Day, it occurred to me that we do the same with our family life. We have an idea of what a perfect family looks like, hopefully on the screen. Perhaps that's not your idea of what a perfect family looks like, but I didn't want anything to look too close to to anyone I know. Um, I've got another one. Maybe that's what you think. And we expect our family life will be as lovely as the images we see in magazines, We read articles all the time about what a perfect family should be, what makes a perfect parent. And heaven forbid that our lives don't match up with what we see. And so when this happens, we worry. The next one's a bit better, I think. So expectation that we're all going to just sit around playing board games when everyone's on a different electronic device. You see, when reality doesn't match up to expectations, we panic. We worry that we're getting it wrong. We worry that we don't know what we're doing. Well, I'll let you in on a secret. I don't think anybody really does. I'm yet to meet a parent who's got it all sorted or thinks they've got it all sorted. But I found an article on WikiHow about how to have a perfect family life. It says... Despite the perfect, the picture families that always seem to loom over us on television, posters and billboards, there are many more complexities and dynamics to families than all smiles and laughter. All families are different. All families have their own issues. But with the right amount of work and determination, you can make your life, a family life, the very best it can be. No one's family life is perfect but you can make yours good, so why not? 
before going on to give 15 steps about how you achieve that. If only it were that simple. The thing is, we see the popular perception of what perfect family life should be, but expectation and reality are often two very different things. Wouldn't it be good if we had a definitive answer to what the ideal family life was like? Well, we do. And it's right there in Colossians 3, 18 to 21. And the message version says it like this. Wives, understand and support your husbands by submitting to them in ways that honour the master. Husbands, go all out in love for your wives. Don't take advantage of them. Children, do what your parents tell you. This delights the master no end. And parents, don't come down too hard on your children or you'll crush their spirits. This is God's blueprint for family life. And so I want us to look at it in two parts. First of all, husbands and wives, and then in relation to children. So husbands and wives. Little Susie came home from school excitedly and said, Mum, today our our teacher told us a story of Snow White. For the next five minutes, she recounted the fairy tale including the arrival of Prince Charming to the rescue of Snow White. Then do you know what happened, Mum? Susie asked. They lived happily ever after? Mum answered. No, Mum, they got married. (laughs) Even if a marriage is made in heaven, we are responsible to maintain it. And that's not an easy task. Lots of marriages break down and are beyond repair. And there are also many marriages that are intact but not healthy or happy ones. Unfortunately, marriage problems are not just statistics. They affect people that we know, real people. And surely, with so many people going through tough times in their relationships, the church has an opportunity to show people a better way. That's not saying that all Christian marriages will end happily ever after, but that we've been given a guide by which our households should be run. The NIV version says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. And whilst I do think Tim was having a laugh when he put me down to preach on that, it says it in the Bible. Submit to your husbands. I mean, really? In this day and age, we're being asked to submit to our husbands? In this day of equality and women's rights and all the rest of it? Well, yes. But we need to remember when it was written, and the context it was written for. I used to joke that Paul was clearly having an off day when he wrote this, but let's look at what it means and what it doesn't mean. First of all, let's look at what it doesn't mean. Wives are told to submit to their husbands, and this idea of submitting to someone else is a difficult one to grasp. It's often misunderstood, but please note that it does not mean no longer thinking for yourself or becoming mindless and having no thoughts of your own. And it doesn't mean becoming a doormat. Submission is not a surrender of will. That is due only to God. It doesn't mean that the man of the house is supreme ruler over wife or home. In Paul's day, the man in Jewish culture was an absolute ruler in the home. Slaves were called only to submit until they were free, Boys were called to submit until they were adults, but females were called to submit their entire lives. And when Jews heard 
the word submission. They saw it as close to being the form of a slave and a master. That kind of relationship. The submission Paul speaks of here is not the same as was practiced by the typical Jewish male of the time. Submission does not equal male dominance, where the wife does as she's told. And thank goodness for that, right? And the second thing this passage does not uh, doesn't imply is inferiority or superiority of one of the sexes. Many people think that because a wife is called to submit to her husband, that means she's less important or less um, valued to, valuable to God or less valuable in her own eyes as well. And that is so not the case. Galatians 3.28 says, There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. So that's what it doesn't say. But what does it say? The submission talked of is one of voluntary submission, on, part of the, on the part of the wife. The word submission means to willingly subject oneself to the authority of another. It's not something a husband can force on a wife. She has to agree. But here's the thing. The husband has responsibilities too, and we'll come to that. But before we do, why on earth would a woman in her right mind do this? Well, let's look at the second part of that verse. It says, as is fitting in the Lord. If we are free in Christ, which is what the whole of Colossians up to this point has been talking about, then we're free to submit to our husbands. And verse 19 helps us understand that a little bit better. It says, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Love your wives. Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Christ gave himself for the church. So husbands give themselves up sacrificially for their wives. That's what Christ did on the cross. He gave his life up instead of requiring the church to give up theirs. Husbands, when was the last time you sacrificed something for your wife? When did you give something up? If you gave something up, was it hard to do or was it easy? How much value was it really? Look at what Christ gave up and answer, did you really give anything up? Christ calls men not to give something, but to give themselves up for their wives. That is love, to lay down their lives. Luther said, of course, the Christian should love his wife. He's supposed to love his neighbour And since his wife is his nearest neighbour, she should be his deepest love. Jesus loved the world and the church so much that he gave up everything for it. Everything Jesus did was for the good of the church. He willingly died for the world. How many husbands love their wives that much, I wonder? Look at it this way, if a wife was to voluntarily place herself in submission to a husband, she must trust that he won't use it to his advantage. And that submission ends when he tries to take her out of God's will. It's the duty of the husband to love their wife as much as Christ loved the church. That love that existed at the start of the marriage is to continue throughout the marriage, and we're told it mustn't give way to bitterness. So yes, 
Wives are to submit to their husbands as is fitting in the Lord. But husbands have to love their wives as Christ loved the church. And I think I know who's got the harder task there. So what about children? Colossians 3.20 says, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. The word obey denotes a continuous action. They're always to be obedient to their parents. If the husband and the wife are fulfilling their roles, then it will be easier for the children to obey because they will have that security. Now, our oldest Sunday club group were looking at this a couple of weeks ago, so I asked the leaders to write down anything interesting that they might have said. And this is what they said about that. They said, do we obey our parents if they're wrong? I think the simple answer is no, depending on obviously what it is in the context. They said it's not a mutual thing, like husbands and wives. Children have to obey their parents. They asked if there's a cut-off age for obeying parents, because we're always the child of our parents, right? And to be honest, I don't know what the answer is to that one. Even someone 80-year-old is a child of God is a point they made. They said it depends on what you're obeying. When you mature, it's different. When you're an adult, is it obey or is it mutual respect? And then they said, obey, do they own us? Are we animals? They're all good questions. Essentially, if a parent is asking their child to do something wrong, then I would say obedience isn't required. In answer to their last question, children don't own, no, parents don't own their children. Children are not like animals and never should be treated as such. But children are are asked to obey their parents, which they pointed out isn't mutual like husbands and wives. But there's a responsibility from their parents too. Verse 21 says, "Do not provoke your uh, Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. That's from the ESV version. The command for children to obey does not give parents a license for harsh treatment. The purpose of parental discipline is to encourage the children to grow, not to exasperate or provoke them or lead to anger or discouragement. And I'm sure everyone knows parenting isn't easy. It takes patience and energy. A parent needs to act in love, treating their children as Jesus would treat them. But the key to all of this, though, is putting God first and being obedient to his calling. And parents need to take responsibility in sharing their faith with their children. Just as it's not the sole responsibility of the school to educate the children um, or teach them academically or morally, in the same way, it's not just the church's job to teach children about God. It's got to begin at home. And family relationships should be bound together with glue. They should be unbreakable. And parents need to model a relationship that's constant and committed to their children. Faithfulness is learned at home. And the central key to each of these rules for the family is that no one is trying to be number one. Selflessness is absolutely required. Selfishness is replaced with humility. We learn within the family to put others first. God designed our relationships. God designed our families. And he designed the church too. 
Thinking back to how expectations and reality don't always match up, that is so true of the church as well. The church is God's family. And notice the the importance in all of these commands is faith in God. The motivations of those in authority and those obeying are the same. It's because they have a master in heaven. Everything we do in marriage between parents and children or in our church family, or actually in every situation we find ourselves in every conversation we have, whatever the setting, let's remember that we have a master over us and we must put him first. That is the only basis on which life makes sense. Because we have a master who we're serving. Our attitude should be one of acting so that we benefit other people, not ourselves. Being a servant to someone else. Whether through love or submission, through leading or following. We do that joyfully because there is one greater than ourselves to whom we belong and to who and who we long to please. We are in Christ, and we should want to please him in every way. I don't know anyone who has a picture-perfect family life. That's just not realistic. But we do have a God who loves us like a loving parent, and who we should live to serve, wherever that might take us, and whatever that might look like. But as we do so, We do so not putting ourselves first, but putting him first. We belong to God. We are all part of his family. So let's do everything we can to love each other as a family should. In Christ, being free in Christ, let's seek to please him in every way. Amen.